All right, folks, we are getting close. We're going to do all of chapter 18 tonight. And then, um, then we finally get to the fun part, and we just kind of coast. In 19, there's the Battle of Armageddon, so we win. In 20, there is the Millennial Reign, so we get to reign for a thousand years with Jesus. And then in 21 and 22, there is the uh, new heaven and the new earth. So uh, we are just almost through the, uh, the difficult seven-year tribulation. The last three and a half years, the great tribulation. And uh, during those last three and a half years, the Antichrist becomes the bigwig of the whole world. The false prophet points people in his direction and makes the whole world worship the Antichrist. Satan is the power behind both of them, controlling what they do and what they say and what's all, what all is going on. So there is what we've called the unholy trinity at the end. Satan, Antichrist, false prophet. <clears throat> they reign. They, uh, they're kind of in charge. They're, uh, they are the power people in the last three and a half years. During that time, the nations come together and form one great big political, uh, let's go ahead and call it a government. There is, a, there is one government that kind of reaches the whole world, and the Antichrist is the uh, dictator of that one world government. At the same time, there is now one religion. It is the religion of the false prophet. It is uh, similar in many ways to the religions of Babylon because it stands in contradiction to um, <clears throat> Christianity before that, uh, uh, Judaism. It stands in contradiction to God. And as we look back in the Old Testament, we see uh, Babylon played that role uh, for a number of the different prophets. And that's why the New World Order, and that's probably not a good term because it's been used in other ways in our lifetime, but th this New World religion and New World government that has been formed um, is referred to in Revelation 17, 18, and 19 as Babylon. If you look back in um, the prophets, especially Jeremiah and Isaiah, they directly address Babylon because when they were speaking, they were speaking to the literal Babylon of that time. The interesting thing about how John handles the book of Revelation is uh, by using the symbolic literature that he's using, by using the uh, what we call apocalyptic style, he, he allows for the church to apply these truths at any age. Because if you think about it, at any given age, there has been an anti-God influence in the world. There has been some 
some, some um, semblance of Babylon all the time. And the church, meaning Christians, have always been enticed by what that world view offers. Obviously not all of us, but many Christians are enticed by what the world has to offer. And so the church has often been drawn toward Babylon, if you will. So John can write this knowing that it is directly applicable to the church at any age. And the church has been able to look at it um, throughout, uh, throughout history in that way. Now, <clears throat> I think the ultimate explanation of what he's saying is yet to come. It is that one world government, that one world religion that is overseen by the Antichrist and the false prophet. After the three and a half years are done um, and the seventh bowl of wrath is poured out, uh, we get to the Battle of Armageddon where Jesus is victorious. 18, uh, chapter 17 and 18. Describe for us what happens at the end of tribulation just before the Battle of Armageddon. Now, is this the last few days or weeks of the tribulation? Or is this an image of the result of the Battle of Armageddon? We're unclear, but the point of 17 and 18 is Babylon dies. The Battle of Armageddon, Jesus wins. So I kind of take 17 and 18 to be a description of the result of when Jesus comes and wins in the great battle. Uh, <clears throat> In 17, we saw the Babylon religion destroyed. The world, the one world religion is destroyed. The false prophet is removed. All of that goes away. I think 18 doesn't happen after 17 on like on a timeline. I think that all this is at the same time. 17 and 18 are at the same time. But 17 showed us what happened with the religion and 18 shows us what happens with the government. And in government, I'm including the economy because the two are so closely related. How do you separate the two? All right. So tonight we look at the fall of Babylon as it refers to the government and the economy. The false religion we already saw in 17. So here's the government and economy in 18. And then in 19, um, we get to see how Jesus caused the, their fall and wins the battle for, uh, for good. Okay, chapter 18 then. After this, <clears throat> and after this is important, um, because it connects chapter 18 and 17. In 17, he sees the vision of an angel declaring 
those events that lead to the destruction of the Babylon religion. And now in 18, another angel coming down from heaven having great authority. And the earth was made bright with his glory. Some have seen that and said, well, if, it, if the earth was made bright with his glory and he had authority, this must be Jesus. And I, I don't think so. There are two words in Greek for other, or uh, let, me, let me, for another. Two different words for another. One of them means another that is like this one. And the other Greek word means another that is different than this one. And this is the word that means it's another that is like this one. So there's an angel in 17. There's another angel like him in 18. So don't get hung up on the fact that when he comes, his glory shines throughout the world for two reasons. One, you remember Luke chapter 2, and the shepherds are out on the fields watching their flock by night, and, and behold, the angel appears, and the glory shone round about, right? The glory shone round about him. So angels can bring with them the glory of God. So that doesn't bother me. But also, in a very practical way, remember that the seven bowls have been poured out, one of which is complete and total darkness. One of the bowls wipes out the sun, right? Uh, or the, the work of the sun. And so the world is dark. So it's not going to take just a whole heck of a lot of glory to brighten the place up a little bit. So I think this is an angel. It, I don't take it to be Jesus himself. Um, I think Jesus will come in just a little bit, but he's not come yet. But he comes to make an announcement, and in verse 2, he called out with a mighty voice, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. She has become a dwelling place for demons, a haunt for every unclean spirit, a haunt for every unclean bird, a haunt for every unclean and detestable beast. This is how far she has fallen. Babylon used to and could have been a great world power, but it has fallen in two ways. One, in that it, uh, it disobeyed God and thereby became uh, a, a place of rebellion against him, a place of death. It's a haunt of unclean spirit, of unclean bird, of unclean detestable beast. Uh, <clears throat> and secondly, it is fallen uh, in a very real sense because the, the headquarters of this new world religion is going to be destroyed. Now, is that a physical place? I'm not convinced of that. I'm not convinced that there will be a city called Babylon that is the headquarters of this government. But I think it is the, the power that this government has will be drawn down, will be destroyed. In verse 3 it says, For all nations have drunk the wine of the passion of her sexual immorality. 
and the kings of the earth have committed immorality with her. The merchants of the earth have grown rich from the power of her luxurious living. So you look at, you look at uh, those who have been influenced by her and all of the nations of the world have given into this world domination because of what they thought they could get out of it. And uh, it says the kings of the earth have committed immorality with her. Uh, the, the leaders, the world leaders have fallen in, in line with this world power. And the economy side, the merchants of the earth have grown rich by being a part of this uh, e economic government. Remember that uh, by this time you cannot um, do business without the mark of the beast. And so people all over the entire world have gotten very wealthy by taking the mark of the beast and playing their game, doing their thing, so that they can be uh, well paid, so that they can be very rich in luxurious living. He says, then I heard another voice from heaven saying, come out of her, my people, lest you take part in her sins. And by the way, that is always the, uh, that has always been the call of God for his people. Come out of the world. You see it uh, directly and specifically in Isaiah and Jeremiah as the people are in Babylon. God says to them, you may be stuck there, but come out of the world view of Babylon. You stay my people. And he says to the, to the church then, come out of her, my people, lest you take part in her sins, lest you share in her plagues. The implication is clear that if you and I give in to the world religion and the world power, we must then assume that we will be subject to the same punishment that the world religion and the world power will experience. Verse 5, for her sins are heaped high as heaven, and God has remembered her iniquities. You and I grew up finding great comfort in the verses that talk about our sins are as far as the east is from the west, that God throws them into a sea and he remembers them no more, right? We find great comfort. Now just flip that upside down. What great terror must there be when, when one hears God remembers your iniquities? This voice from heaven calls upon God and says, Pay her back as she herself has paid back others and repay her double for her deeds. Mix a double portion for her in the cup she mixed. In order to have the power that the world power and the world economy will have during that day, in order to have that power, they had to have oppressed people along the way. 
they, they get this power by oppressing those without the mark of the beast. And now this voice from heaven says to God, vengeance is yours. It's a reminder, by the way, that vengeance is not ours. But vengeance is yours. So get her back. And get her back double. Now, I don't think that that, that emphasis on, on get her back double, I don't think that that necessarily is, is overkill. I think it's double because it represents the government and the economy. Bring down not only the world power, but bring down the world economy as well. As she glorified herself and lived in luxury, so give her a like measure of torment and mourning, since in her heart she says, I sit as a queen, I am no widow, and mourning I shall never see. Uh, Babylon claims, uh, you know, I, I, I got it all going on. I'm, I'm sitting pretty. I'm the queen. Uh, that, by the way, is, is also referred to in Isaiah. Um, it is there that she makes that statement, that Babylon makes that statement. Look at uh, chapter 47 if you want to play with that. Um, but she says, uh, she says, I'm no widow. I'm not mourning. Uh, nothing's, nothing's going wrong for me. I, I, got, I got this. I got the power. I'm, I'm the queen. And we're reminded of the proverb that, that, that says, uh, pride, well, we have changed it over the years, but the way we've changed it says pride goeth before fall. Right? That's the way we've always heard it, but if you look it up, it doesn't really quite say it that way. But pride goes before a fall. Well, here, that's the, that's the plea from this, ver this voice in heaven. Pride goes before a fall, and she is full of pride, so make her fall hard. For this reason, in verse 8, for this reason, her plagues will come in a single day, death and mourning and famine. She will be burned up with fire, for mighty is the Lord God who has judged her. The fall of Babylon, uh, and, and remember when I say Babylon, I'm talking about this new world religion, government economy. Um, it was not a slow process. I mean, there was a clear and distinct victory in a very short time. This says it all happened in a day. I don't, I don't take that as literal because the angel is speaking a poem here. However, it does mean to us that, the, that, that God is so powerful and strong that he causes this Babylon to fall quickly and immediately. Like the thief in the night. Yeah, come like that. Very good. Verse 9, and the kings of the earth who committed sexual immorality and lived in luxury with her will weep and wail over her when they see the smoke of her burning. They will stand afar off in fear of her torment and say, alas, alas, you great city, you mighty city Babylon, for in a single hour your judgment has come. So the kings, remember, that represents the, the government side. They're going to stand off and mourn. Verse 11, 
the merchants of the earth will weep and mourn for her, since no one buys their cargo anymore, cargo of gold and silver and jewels, pearls, fine linen, purple cloth, silk, scarlet cloth, all kinds of scented wood, all kinds of articles of ivory, all kinds of articles of costly wood, bronze, iron, marble, cinnamon, spice, incense, myrrh, frankincense, wine, oil, fine flour, wheat, cattle, sheep, horses and chariots, slaves, that is human souls. You look at at this shopping list and the merchants are going through this mental checklist of all the stuff that they can no longer make money on. And they're mourning their loss. So the kings are mourning the loss of this government and the merchants are mourning the loss of this economy. Where was their mourning during the tribulation time when God was trying to get them to feel sorry about their sin? See, they totally missed the whole point. The whole point of the tribulation was to push people into a position where they would finally recognize the seriousness of their sin and they would repent. These people didn't care back then. Now they just care because their pockets are empty. And so the mourning of the merchants continues in 14. The fruit for which our soul longed has gone from you. All, our del all your delicacies and your splendors are lost to you, never to be found again. The merchants of those wares. Now remember, the, uh, verse 11 is the merchants of the earth weep that they can't sell all this stuff. Um, and now these are, these are those who, who did the business with those guys, the merchants of, of these wares who gained wealth from her will stand far off in fear of her torment, weeping and mourning aloud. Alas, alas, for the great city that was clothed in fine linen and purple and scarlet, adorned with gold, with jewels and pearls. For in a single hour, all this wealth has been laid waste. And then those who carted the stuff back and forth over the open waters. In verse 17, all shipmasters and seafaring men, sailors and all whose trade is on the sea stood far off and cried out as they saw the smoke of her burning. What city is like the great city? And they threw dust on their heads and they wept and mourned, crying out, alas, alas, for the great city where all who had ships at sea grew rich by her wealth. For in a single hour she has been made laid, she has been laid waste. So you, you see all of these who are mourning their loss, but never once mourned their sinful rebellion of, against God. And now in, in an hour, and, and I do think it's going to be just almost immediate. Um, Babylon will fall. And, and by Babylon, again, in this case, we're talking about the Antichrist, the false prophet, uh, who are leading the one world religion and the universal government and universal economy 
all of that's going to go away in an instant. How does that happen? I could not tell you. Don't have a clue. Um, I'm not versed enough in world politics to, to, to even begin to imagine. But it is going to happen immediately because God is going to make it happen. When, God, when, when Christ returns, it's done. And remember, I think 17 and 18 are a description of what happens at the battle of Armageddon. Verse 20, in case you or I feel like this is too harsh, that someone should be there to help poor little Babylon. Verse 20, rejoice over her, O heaven, and you saints and apostles and prophets, for God has given judgment for you against her. So while the people on earth are mourning, the people in heaven are rejoicing. We got her. It's finally done. Then a mighty angel took up a stone like a great millstone and threw it into the sea. Don't try to turn that into a natural tragedy or natural uh, disaster kind of a thing. This is just his vision. He even tells us this is a dream, a vision that he's seeing things and hearing voices from heaven. Okay. But in this vision, this angel takes a great millstone. You know what a millstone is? It would have to be very big. They um, put the, the grain underneath it and grind the grain by rolling the stone over it. And this, this great angel takes this mighty millstone, throws it into the sea, saying, So will Babylon, the great city, be thrown down with violence and will be found no more. Imagine what would happen as, you t as this angel takes this great millstone and throws it into the sea. There's this major splash and, and the, the waves uh, go all different directions, turn, eventually turn into ripples that last forever. And that stone will immediately fall and disappear. You're not going to see the stone ever again. And the angel is acting out, uh, uh, making a demonstration of what's going to happen to Babylon. Babylon will fall that quickly and will be destroyed that completely and will disappear just like that millstone disappears under the surface of the water so quickly. The sound of harpists and musicians, of flute players and trumpeters will be heard in you no more. And a craftsman of any craft will be found in you no more. The sound of the mill will be heard in you no more. The light of a lamp will shine in you no more. The voice of a bridegroom and bride will be heard in you no more. For your merchants were the great ones of the earth, and all nations were deceived by your sorcery. And in her was found the blood of prophets and of saints and of all who have been slain on earth. Everyday life has been going on under this government, under this worldwide way of living. People have been getting married. Musicians have been playing music. Carpenters have been building stuff. Uh, 
everyday life has been happening, but no more. That's done. The, the, the everyday life of uh, Babylon is completely, immediately ended. Why? Because of verse 24. 24 explains the why for the judgment. Because in her was found the blood of prophets and of saints and all who have been slain on earth. It is in this satanic government and religion that God's prophets have always been killed, that martyrs have always been killed, and that the innocent people of the world have been oppressed and killed. And so there finally comes a time when God says enough, no more, and puts an end to all of that satanic rule when Babylon falls. And when that happens, all of heaven breaks out in a big hallelujah party, and we'll look at that at the beginning of chapter 19 next time.